This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. After nearly 20 years in the hospitality industry, Wyndham Worldwide Chairman and CEO Stephen Holmes says that he has seen several shifts from the way that consumers plan their vacations to what they expect to find when they enter a hotel. The most recent catalyst for change was the global economic downturn. Wyndham, one of the world's largest hospitality companies with more than 55 brands in 100 countries, has weathered that storm and has actually grown since the recession began. In an interview with Knowledge at Wharton, Holmes discusses what changes he has witnessed in the industry, why timeshares have done surprisingly well during the downturn, and what he looks for when he sizes up a hotel. Mr. Holmes, thanks so much for joining us today. Can you briefly describe the scope of Wyndham Worldwide in terms of the brands that fall under you and, and uh, the global nature of the organization? Sure. Well, there's, uh, there's three business units within Wyndham Worldwide. There's the hotel business where we franchise and manage hotels, and we have now 13 brands that fall under that, uh, under that umbrella, brands like the Wyndham brand, of course, but Days Inn, Super 8, Howard Johnson, Ramada, I go on and on. Um, and it, we don't own any hotels, we only franchise them, or we manage them and take a management fee. So really for us, that is one of our, what we call fee-for-service businesses. Um, the second business unit is uh, called our Wyndham Vacation Exchange and Rental Business. Uh, there we, we have the largest timeshare exchange company. So if you own a, a timeshare in Myrtle Beach and you want to go to Hawaii, you might do that exchange through RCI. We also, in that business unit, have the, uh, the largest uh, uh, European rental uh, operation where we, we rent villas, cottages, um, and, uh, and homes throughout Europe to consumers. Again, in both those businesses, we don't own any assets other than the, um, other than the systems to run them. Uh, they, they also are fee-for-service businesses. Um, then our third business model is, uh, is our timeshare business, Wyndham Vacation Ownership. And that business is in the more traditional timeshare business, which is you, you build, uh, build or develop timeshare units, uh, you market them and sell them to consumers, and then provide financing for the, uh, for the, for the purchase of the, of the timeshare. Uh, so you're providing financing to the consumer who buys the timeshare, and then ultimately you manage the resorts as well. I see. It's a fairly large operation. Yeah, and, and as you, you ask global, it's, it's global. All three of those businesses operate globally, so it's, uh, I didn't pick one of them. They all, they all encompass the globe. Right. I was going to ask you next how the recession has impacted your business, but I guess maybe we should break that down into three parts because I suspect that the different aspects of your business have been affected differently. Is that correct? Well, that's a, uh, that is a great question and the right way to word it um, because the, the three businesses were impacted differently. Um, the business that was impacted the most actually was our hotel business, which one might think it's the most stable business because it, there's no assets involved. It's just a fee-for-service business, uh, but it is dependent upon hotel occupancy and rate, and so it, it does get a direct impact from the from uh, economic uh, uh, uncertainty. Um, the timeshare business, which many people would have thought would have been very impacted because consumers might be pulling back and spending less money to buy timeshares, actually performed exceedingly well. Um, our efficiencies were up, which means we're selling more to the number of people who come in to visit with us. Uh, so the business performed really well. 
and the exchange and rental business also performed very well during the recession. Uh, we were actually up from 2008 to 2009 in our in our earnings in that business, which it probably is the only business in the in the hospitality sector that actually increased year over year from 2008 to 2009. So fortunately, our business was not as impacted nearly as much as some of our some of our competitors were hit. And, and to what would you attribute that uptick in timeshare purchases and? Uh, you know, it's a, it's a good question. I don't I don't know that I can give you a a, a quick off the cuff answer as to why it's 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 better. Um, I think there there are a number of reasons why the performance was enhanced, uh, but not being able to point to one, I would I would just grab a few of them. So, for example, we um, uh, we did take down our overall sales of that business just because the financing market out the asset backed market where we take our paper, not to get too much into the weeds. Um, was was soft, so we didn't we did take our sales lever in, intentionally down. When we did that, we eliminated the the weaking, weaker performing offices. They were all making money, but we took out the ones that weren't making as much money. So, you know, the absence of the the lower level kind of raised the entire tide. That would be one reason for it. Um, another reason for it would be that uh, that I think that that because there was so and so much uncertainty in the marketplace about what's my future going to look like that consumers may have been a little turned on to the fact that, hey, I, I wouldn't mind having my vacations assured. Uh, if I don't know where the rest of the world is going, you know, maybe for $12,000 a year, I can at least know that I'm going to be able to go on vacation for a $12,000 purchase of a timeshare. I know I can go on vacation every year for the future. My family will have that, that family vacation, which is a very important part kind of institutionally of American culture. So, so I think there's some, some you know, psychological reasons and sociological reasons that were impacting that, that movement as well. So in the meantime, you can't have empty hotels sitting there. So how have you been sort of, what's your strategy been to increase your occupancy rates in the hotels during this time? Well, I mean, all, all hotels saw a decrease in occupancy during the downturn. The ones that saw the biggest hit were, were the actually the large urban market hotels, hotels here in Philly or in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. They saw the biggest hit because the tr- business traveler slowed down more dramatically, frankly, than the leisure traveler did. The leisure traveler kept going a little bit more. You know, you're still going to go visit Aunt Ruth, and you're still going to stay at a Super 8 along the way, um, but you may you may cut down the number of vacation trips you you take, but certainly your business travel probably fell off more dramatically. So so for us, we again we weren't hit as hard because of where we are. We're largely leisure. We're economy mid scale. We're not you know on the luxury top end, which also got hit harder. So our occupancy of the hotels that we franchise didn't dip down as much as other other levels did. So what do we do to try to keep it from dipping further? Um, you know, you just get creative with your marketing. You try to encourage your franchisees to show some discipline on rate. Um, and maybe I should step back for just a minute. After 9-11, um, there was a really sharp decline in the occupancy in hotels. You know, people just weren't getting on planes. People weren't traveling. And the reaction at that time in the hotel industry was for everybody to cut rate and do exactly what you're saying. I want to keep my hotel full. I'll just give it away, basically. That was a big mistake for the industry because they fought for years to get their rate back up once they had discounted it so dramatically. You know, consumers started saying, well, I just stayed here last week for $100. Why is it $200 this week? So they, it, was, it was hard to get that movement back up. The industry as a whole showed a lot more discipline this time. It didn't just drop rates. It tried to hold rates, lost occupancy, rates came down. But it wasn't that 
you know, that falling off the cliff like it was after 9-11. So that, the, the, the industry actually responded much better to this downturn than it did to the kind of the, the shock wave of, of uh, following 9-11 in 2001. Right, right. And who, if you had to give me a profile of your average customer then, your average person who stays in your hotel, what would they be? Not a business traveler or they would be? Or Yeah, for us it wouldn't be a business traveler. It would be more uh, of a leisure, a leisure traveler. We actually have, uh, we, we have profiles of each one of our brands, what that traveler looks like for each one of the brands. And, and I would say the predominant predominance would be what are considered... Um, probably uh, would be categorized as road warriors. So they are business people, but they're not business people carrying an American Express card. It's somebody paying their own because they're off on their own business. They're, they're entrepreneurs. They, they're staying at Super 8s because they can get a good value and they're saving money. So that's a, that's a large component. So it's business, but it's not what you would traditionally think as business. Um, and then the adventure seekers, people who want to just go out and, and and see the world and are staying at our hotels as they drive through Nebraska. Have you seen their needs change over time as you've been, as you've been with Wyndham? Yeah, yeah, I have. Uh, well, I've been in this industry for about 20 years, uh-huh. so um, the, the industry as a whole has what's known as a seven-year cycle. So every seven years, occupancy gets better and then tends to go down and it hits a trough and come back. So there is a cyclicality to the industry, so I've seen a few of those, a few of those cycles. Um, and, and I've also seen shifts. Um, the greatest shifts, which I think is what you're asking, really relates to how people, uh, how people plan their vacations. Uh, they plan a much more sh- short term than they did before. I mean, uh, further, uh, closer to the date of, of travel than they used to. So that booking window used to be fairly long. You'd, bo- you'd plan your vacation six months in advance. Now with the internet and the access to information, people are waiting and waiting and waiting and planning much closer to the date of travel. That's, that's a, a huge shift. Um, another shift would be just uh, kind of the sociology of who's traveling. Um, you, see more, you see more families traveling together. Intergenerational travel has become much more popular. Grandparents traveling with, with, with their kids and, and grandchildren. Um, the kinds of trends, frankly, that, are, uh, that have been that have been in place uh, in Europe for some time, we're now seeing kind of come through the U.S. Uh, you, the, Europe has a more, what I'd consider a more mature travel market, frankly, than the U.S., and the U.S. is kind of growing to that, to that model. Would you say that traveling Europe was also impacted by the recession? Have you seen some changes there? Yeah, definitely. There, there were changes. Our, our rental businesses you know, did very well. Um, they, they, they performed very well. Uh, but the hotel side, there, there definitely were changes, and, and it was, it was kind of the same thing you saw in the U.S. Business travel was down more dramatically. Um, one of the differences in Europe is economies like Germany, which is German, Germany's the largest travel market. Period. Uh, more people travel out of Europe than the U.S. or any other country, and the German travel market was uh, the German economy has been, has been tough for some time. So that that had not been a vibrant travel market for, for quite a while. So the, the general you know, global economic shakeout didn't impact the German economy as much because it was already pretty low. So you, know, you get knocked down when you're already on the ground, you don't fall as far. And so that, that didn't have the same type of impact as the U.S. did. Um, clearly the southern European uh, markets were hurt more than the, the northern European markets as well for a variety of reasons. Huh. So, so what would you say? Is there a difference in strategy for gaining market share in the U.S. as opposed to to Europe? Um, 
uh, in the hotel business specifically? Yes, yes, um, yes. Not really. That's a good, great question, but is there a different strategy to grabbing market share? Um, uh, Europe, Europe has much less uh, new construction product. So if you have a market that has you know, 15 hotels in it, that may very well be all the hotels you're going to have in that market. It's tough to construct. It's tough to, uh, because the, the infrastructure is, is older than it is in the U.S. And, and it's more densely populated already in, in sections of Germany, in sections of Europe that you don't see a lot of new construction going on. Um, you don't have new markets open like you do in the U.S., uh, you do, and you do have new markets in in Asia and the Middle East. But in you talk about Europe specifically, uh, it's a tighter market. So market share is more taking product from another, uh, from a competitor, as opposed to bringing a new product to market that you can then take market share with. If you follow what I'm saying, right, right. Um, let's let's also look at sort of a more detailed view of strategy. How, how have the rooms themselves sort of changed over time? Like what kinds of things have you had to build into rooms that keep people coming back? Or maybe maybe you haven't had to do that, I don't know. I mean, well, have yeah. you had to modify things a lot given um, changes in technology, sure. for example? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. The, um, uh, it used to be a hotel room is a hotel room. And it's just a place that you stay in. There was a bed, there was a pillow, there was a, there was a TV usually, and maybe a phone and a, and a desk, and that was it. Um, it really probably go back about 15 or 20 years uh, there became kind of an arms race on what a hotel room should look like uh, you brought the Starwood brought out the heavenly bed and, and so everybody had to compete to make the bed better uh, and, and there have been another, a number of other innovations that happened to be one that was top of mind um, but, but uh, so there has been a movement towards making it a more comfortable environment uh, the room is not just utilitarian it is comfort as well. Uh, but then the technology side of it, absolutely. I mean, internet now is, is, is demanded by, uh, by consumers. They need to have high-speed internet access, uh, and many people decide where they're going to stay based on that, that uh, access. Um, you, you end up with, with uh, different requirements or different demands from the consumers with respect to meal service. People want to have breakfast that they can grab on the go, that they can, they can get just a quick, quick something to take with them on the, on the trip, and they want it to be free. They want it to be included in their room, um, in the cost of their room. Uh, they want to have access to a, to a fitness facility. Uh, so, yeah, there, there have been a lot of changes to hotels over the years, um, moving it from really just a utilitarian space to, a, to more comfort and, and, uh, and, and give me access and make me more, uh, uh, more efficient space. So I'm curious, as someone who probably stays in a lot of hotel rooms, how do you critique a room when you enter it? What do you look for? Jeez, um, that's, that's not a fair question. <laughs> <laughs> I do stay in a lot of hotel rooms, and, uh, and I, I actually start critique from the minute that I drive up to the hotel. Okay. I'm looking at the appearance of the hotel. I'm a pretty critical <laughs> customer to walk in. I, never, I, I don't criticize, but, but my, my eye is critical well, because for? I've been in some. So, yeah, I, I look for the appearance of the, of the hotel, how inviting it is. I definitely key in on staff. How how courteous is the staff when they walk up? Do they do they try to greet you when you say your name once? Do they remember it and come back with it? Um, how do they interact with you? Do they make sure that all your needs are taken care of before you even head off to the room? So I think a, a large impression you have of a hotel, frankly, is is how is that how is that first impression and experience you have when you arrive? Your arrival exp- experience. Then when you get to the hotel room. I mean, clearly it's got to be clean, it's got to be comfortable, 
you can't be you can't be walking into something that you're uncomfortable with because it's it this doesn't have the safety or, or the or the cleanliness that, that one would want. Um, I I am pretty simple, so I don't I don't need a lot of frills in the hotel room, but I want it to be I want it to be clean, comfortable. I want I want the uh, the amenities that I need to be there. You know whatever those might be the the shampoo, whatever, you know whatever little things might be there to help make the experience more comfortable. So so those are the kind of things I look for. Yeah. I noticed you have a specific a special uh, travelers program for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know are there other ways that that Wyndham sort of makes sure that that travelers are sort of greeted with the experience you just articulated to me. Yeah, we have we have loyalty programs, and one of them is uh, is the Wyndham Wyndham Rewards program, and uh, uh, and and if you're staying at a specifically at a Wyndham hotel, and you're a Wyndham Rewards member, uh, we'll have a file on you. So when you arrive, you might say that what I want in my room when I arrive are peanut M and M's and water, and those those will be in your room for you, so that. So that when you're traveling, you don't have to stop and think, "Do I want to get a bottle of water before I get there?" It's going to be there for you. And and so there are things that we do. The Women on Their Way program is is really a terrific program that that Wyndham had before we bought them and has had it for probably 12 or 15 years, um, if not more. Uh, it's a great program because it, it 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 was the first program to come out and and put an emphasis on. Uh, on the the different issues that women have when they travel versus what men have, you know, women tend to have more issues uh, with security and thinking about their safety. And I don't want to be parking in a in a parking lot far away and having to walk across it at night to get to the hotel. So there there are issues that I think the women women on their way program really addressed in a, in a meaningful way back 15 or 20 years ago. Sure. And I still think they continue to address it, just addressing you know working mothers who are traveling and, and how they deal with it, how they deal with social media when they're on the road. So there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of aspects of it that I think are really just terrific. Do you think in ter- uh, that you've had to sort of place special emphasis on customer service or any sort of programs you know, internally to help uh, you know, keep occupancy high? In other words, have, there, have you sort of had to sort of implement internal strategies to sort of beef up customer service in any way over the course of these past few years? In light of the economy, uh, well, we have, but I think it was coincidental because we had launched it before mm-hmm. uh, 2007 and before things started really getting rough. Um, sure. We had launched something called uh, Count on Me, um, which is just our—it's our rallying cry to service. Count on me to be responsive to your needs, be respectful of you, and to deliver a great experience. Those are our three pillars of Count on Me. So, so yeah, service is critically important. Like I said, walking into the hotel. Right. That, that, that impression you get from the person at the front desk or the impression you get from the person walking down the hall cleaning the rooms. Do they greet you? Do they look in you, you in the eye? And do they say good morning to you? You know, that's very important. That leaves you with an impression of, of how much people care about you in the facility. So service, uh, service culture is very, very important to a hotel. Sure. Um, and recently you made an acquisition of ResortQuest um, International. Is that correct? Yes. Can you explain the strategy behind that? First of all, what our our QI is, and then and sort of what the strategy was there. It's unusual. These, I mean, M and A is is slowly picking up, but still unusual to find someone growing during this time. So I'd just like to talk about that a little bit. Sure. Um, actually, it's the uh, it's the third acquisition we've done since we've been in this downturn. Mm-hmm. So it really didn't. It really, frankly, didn't slow us down a whole mu- whole mu- a whole lot. 
um, frankly, in, in, in difficult times, opportunities often present themselves, and I think this was a perfect example of it. And we've bought, we bought a European rental company, we bought a, brand, a European hotel brand called Trip, just all within the last year. Um, so we, we have added to our portfolio. Um, Resort Quest is, uh, is a company that's been around for about 15 years. Uh, it's in the um, rental business, which is aligned with our exchange and rental company, but it's U.S. rental-based. Um, and the difference between ResortQuest and other rental companies in the U.S. is ResortQuest is a, is a full-service rental provider. So they, we, will, we will, because we closed the, the acquisition actually today, about three hours ago, um, we, will, um, we will make sure that, uh, that, that your experience on that rental is very good. You're not just going online and taking a chance or a risk that the product you see online is actually going to be there we'll make sure that your experience is good. And if it's not for some reason, we'll make it right, um, which you can't get if you just go online and go to a listing service and say, well, I'll, I'll pick that, that, that vacation home, and I, I hope it's actually the one that's in the picture. Um, we'll make sure that your experience is good. It's the model that we have over in Europe. Um, it's a little bit lower margin model, but it's a model that is very sustainable. It builds a lot of loyalty. Our brands in Europe are... Are, are extremely well known within the markets they're in, whether it's Holland or Denmark or the UK, and it's because there's a service culture. You were talking about service before. There's more service involved than just a, a simple listing service, and and because of that, it builds loyalty. Well, Resort Quest is the largest one in the U.S. that does that, and they're very small, which means it's it's a it's a small platform, but probably the best platform, which we believe it is to grow in the rental business in the U.S. $10 billion business, not really well organized. So we think it's a terrific opportunity. It brings to mind another question about sort of changing needs of consumers. How, um, how much is, is sort of the, the, the advent of um, internet travel uh, impacted how you run things? I mean, is, is, a, is there a huge emphasis now on your online presence? Oh sure, yeah. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Internet, the internet has uh, has changed the way people book hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. um, you don't call one eight hundred days in anymore. Mm -hmm. You click daysin.com. No, so without a doubt, it's changed the way. And and even within the internet, there's been a number of changes in the way that the internet model has functioned. Um, it went from being a little bit of a of a brand, what we call brand.com, you know, daysin.com type model. Um, to the OTAs, the online travel agencies like Expedia and Orbitz, taking a huge part of the market share for a while, and now it's swept back a little bit more to the brand.com model. So, yeah, there's been no shifts in the whole way people book and, and travel. It's, uh, uh, and it's, and it's, a, it's, it's great, we think, because it's, giving, it's putting more control in the hands of the consumer to make the decision about where they want to go versus passing it off to somebody else, whether it's a, a call center agent or a travel agent to make the decision for them. So we think having the consumer engaged, and we love travel agents, we, you know, but still having the consumer engaged is a really good thing for travel. And how does, how does Wyndham, for instance, compete with like an Orbitz? How do, you, how do you lure a customer to your site as opposed to an Orbitz where they just sort of a broker? Well, we don't we don't compete with them. They're partners of ours. You work with them. Yeah, we work with them, but but we 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 uh, uh, we market the Days In website separately. We we market Wyndham separately, so that people are coming into our brands and and uh, and we offer a, a best rate guarantee. So you know you're just like the airlines. You 
you know when you book an airline ticket through United, you're getting the cheapest ticket that they'll sell for that seat. That's the claim and the same claim at the hotels. Right, right. So one last question. Um, if, you, if you look ahead sort of five years, the travel industry and the hospitality industry, what, what is it that keeps you awake at night? What worries you? Um, I, I used to say to that question, what keeps you awake at night, that, that, that I slept well and, and nothing really bothered me. Um, and I still do sleep very well, so I, I'm, not, I'm not one to sit up and worry all night about things. But, but um, this, this last recession, this shakeout of the, of the uh, capital markets, um, is something that I've never experienced before. No, no, one, no, no one who's 53 years old has ever experienced that before uh, because we hadn't seen anything like that in our lifetime. Um, the fact is that, that, that the, the industry was hit much harder than I think anybody really expected it to be hit uh, because of the freezing of, of, the, uh, of the capital markets and the flow of liquidity around the world. Um, hotels weren't bought, bought and sold because there was no capital flowing. Consumers weren't traveling because they felt poor and they looked at, the, at their 401ks and they said, oh, we're, you know, we don't have anything to retire on, we better save more money. So it, it definitely changed the way people thought and people travel. I think it's changed the way people will make decisions for quite some time. I think the return to the, the excesses that maybe we saw you know, pre, pre-2007 um, are, are going to be trimmed back for, for a very long period of time. I think, it's a, I think it's a shift in the way people think about travel. So, so um, if I worried about anything, it's about how stable is our, are our capital markets and the global capital markets. How, how, how much will they be impacted by events of the day that, that impact the way bankers think about lending money or consumers think about saving or spending money? Um, nothing in the hotel industry keeps me awake or nothing in any of our other businesses keep me awake at night uh, because we got great business models and i got phenomenal people running those businesses. So I don't really worry about those. I think about more of the external factors. Sure. Well, thanks very much. All right, Steve. Thank you. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.